Welcome to this Tuesday's Dag Heward Mills podcast. You are about to listen to a message from the Flow Revival Service preached by healing evangelist, best-selling author, and megachurch pastor, Dag Heward Mills. When you are a head pastor, there is a greater need to be sensitive to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest struggles of a head pastor is knowing whether they are being directed by God or not. Bishop Dag will share 13 essential keys to help you acquire the wisdom and knowledge of what is required to be an effective head pastor of any church. Today's teaching hones in on the specific battles a head pastor must face when being led by God in their ministry. You will receive wisdom to prepare you for inevitable battles along the way to becoming a head pastor and how you can rise above any opposition victoriously. Let's enjoy the word for today. Hallelujah. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, I want to share with you just a short little sermon on battles of the head. Priscilla. Second Samuel chapter 2, verse 44. Thou also hast delivered me from the strivings of my people. And thou hast kept me to be head of the heathen. A people which I knew not shall serve me. This is a flood rain, eh? This flood. Right. Now. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of my people. Thou hast made me to be the head of the heathen a people which I knew not shall serve me strangers shall submit themselves unto me as soon as they hear they shall obey me Strangers shall fade away. They shall be afraid out of their closed places. Amen. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. Exalted be the God. The rock of my salvation. Mm. It is God that avengeth me. God avengeth me. And bringeth the people forth under me. 
He bringeth me forth from mine enemies. Thou also hast lifted me up on high. High above those that rose up against me. Above them that rose up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. I will give thanks. And I will sing praises unto thy name mm. he is the tower of salvation for his king and showeth mercy to his anointed David thanks for the mercy Lord and to his seed Forevermore. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end Amen Battles of the head. Now, when you become a head pastor or a missionary, or you are in charge of the mission, there are some battles, strivings that you are going to experience. So we're going to start with these battles and strivings. And I want to give you... um, a few of them. And it's going to help you when you become the leader. And you are the main person in charge of anything. Alright? Number one. Battles or struggles, if you like. The first one is the battles of being led by God. You, you have the battle within you. As to whether you are being led by the Lord. Amen. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 15. The Bible says, 
in this confidence, I was minded to come unto you before that you might have a second benefit. Now, when you are the head, you have to take a lot of decisions and be led by God. Because, so that's where you find out that above you is the Holy Spirit. There's no one really above you. And not, when you are, when you are under someone and you are receiving instructions, like Timothy was receiving a lot of instructions, in a sense, there's a sense in which it is simpler, but there's a sense in which when you are like a Timothy, you need um, to have the grace to obey, to learn to flow. Well, when you are the head, this conflict that comes is there will not be anyone per se saying do this or do that, but to follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. So it's a big issue for a head to know whether he's being led by God or not. That's why I, I mentioned it as the first big battle or conflict or struggle of a head is the struggle of knowing whether you are being led by God or not. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, In this confidence, I was minded to come unto you before. You see, nobody told him, but I was minded to come unto you that you might have a second benefit. For instance, there are some cities I would like to go and have a second crusade that they might have a second benefit. So I was minded. I was minded. That's what I was thinking. And then to pass by you into Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia unto you. Alright? So I planned to pass by you to Macedonia and then when I was coming back out of Macedonia, my mind was to come by you again. And then of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. That is, I'll be assisted by you to move to Judea. Either transport money accommodation and other logistics. Alright? Now, Paul is asking, when I was therefore thus minded, did I use lightness? Do you see? Or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh? That with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay. But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. So, he's saying here that, you know, when I said I was going to come by, you get what I'm saying? Um, was it just, you know, lightness? Because a leader, a head, struggles and battles to be led by God. And you cannot use lightness. There must be some depth in your decision making. Why are you going here? Are you with me? And so that is because at a certain point, you can do so many things. So many people invite me, have invited me, 
not so many and because I don't I don't get to go. You get what I'm saying? So when you when you stop when you don't respond to invitations, people stop inviting you. They they sort of assume that you are uninvitable. They just sort of assume that you won't be able to come or you won't come. So they don't even invite you. Are you with me? And then you have to decide the things that are, and you have to decide what to do, where to go. So he was saying, look, I was thinking, I'll come to Macedonia, I'll come, so you have a second benefit, second camp meeting, second crusade, second visit. And so ahead, struggles and battles to not use lightness in any of the decisions. And the decisions must be taken always with the mind of maintaining the aim. Are you with me? Maintenance of the aim. And you need certain guiding principles. Otherwise, you never really know what to do because, you know, there comes a time where you can do whatever you want to do. And that is when you, you must do what you are doing not based on lightness. Are you with me? Yes. So, for instance, when we started having our flow prayer meetings, did I use lightness? No. I felt that I was being led by God to start the flow prayer meeting before the pandemic even was anything. We were having prayer meetings and we had 3,000 people online praying live in the church, Facebook Live. All right? So, all through your role as a head, you must not use lightness and you must not be yea, then nay, yes, I'll come, then I don't come, yes, I'll do this, then I don't do it. You announce this and then you change your mind. You know, that's not a good head because that can lead you to an accident. I'm turning left. No, I'll turn right. No, I'll I'll turn left again. No, I'll turn right. It's very dangerous, you know. So, a head struggles with using uh, do I use lightness all right and the struggle of being led by God so when I'm when I'm writing a song I'm writing the song I'm not using lightness every song that's why the songs people use the songs for so many things counseling teaching huh proposals events yes you know yesterday we had a wedding and uh, we were marching out of the wedding the song was I like the way you like me <laughs> yes and it was flowing it was beautiful so whatever you do you must not use lightness as a head and you must be sure of what you are saying. And one of the ways is to be maintain your aim while you are doing things. If you are looking for money, you think differently. If you are looking to please God, you think differently. If you want to serve God the best, if you want to finish your calling, you think differently. So now we are talking about all nations. Are we using lightness? No, no, no. 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 
We're not using lightness. It's the Holy Spirit, I believe, is leading us. I don't know how. I don't know where. But I believe God is going to raise up so many people who are going to be able to go to so many nations. And nations which have been close to us are going to open up. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the battles of being led by God. Number two, battles of recognition. All right? Now, a head must recognize the important parts of your body. All right? That is why you must know the importance of the different parts of your body. So, you recognize the importance. Okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says, the eye cannot say to the head, to the hand, I don't need you. Or, to, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Amen. Are you listening? As a good head, you must identify the different parts of your body which are important. Okay? And without identifying these different parts, you would tend to ignore them. Now, sometimes when people are fighting in films, I remember one film I was watching. I don't know what, what, what film it was. But they were fighting in a restaurant and somebody was grilling meat on this grill. Okay? And as part of the fight, the blue man put somebody's head onto the, what do you call it? Onto the grill. Yes. And that is where you see that your grilled face is not that easy to carry around. And so you may not know the importance of the different part, but in the fight, you get it. You get to know, hey, this place is very important. And things you never knew were important, you'll find out how important they are. And so a head, one of the battles of the head is to identify what is critical and important in your life. And since I became a head, I've found different people that are important. Some are eyes, some are hands, some are head, some are uh, feet. But if you want to know whether your fingernail is important, you can remove the small one from just one of the fingers and see whether you sleep tonight. So God has to show you important people. Now, the reason why people do not have important people with them is because they do not value them and they do not know the value of different people, different kinds of people. All right? Yes. And so, 
a leader, a head, one of the battles of the head is to distinguish. This is important for me. This person is really important. This person is important. And then you identify these people. And now, one of the things you find is that important people to your life come under attack. Because the enemy knows that if you have this eye, you will see. And that changes your whole life. If you have an eye. If you have even only one eye, it changes your life. If you have two eyes, even better. You get it? So all the little parts of the body need to be recognized. Now, when you take away one thing, then you realize the importance of, the, of, of, of that thing. So, for instance, let's take with music, right? You may consider to yourself that, oh, the singer who is the star to whom everybody claps for is the most important. But then, you wouldn't know that somebody else, right, is actually maybe more important than the singer. And that's where people like the producers become important. And in certain places, they know that the producer is very important. So the producer is as rich as the singer. Or like the coach. It's, oh, he's a good team. He's a good team. We've got a striker. But then without the coach, I don't know much about soccer because I'm not interested in soccer. You know why I'm not interested in soccer? Why should I watch 20, 22 millionaires running around hitting a piece of leather and they don't give us anything at all? They don't share their benefits. Why should I clap for them? Huh? I don't see why I should watch these 22 millionaires with another 20 sitting on 20 millionaires sitting on the side doing nothing. Amazing. Anyway, that's just by the way. Please, soccer is nice. Don't say anything. <laughs> what I am saying, what was I saying? I'm saying that, yeah, so you take away the, the coach and then you see there's nothing. Yes, it's all different. Like Manchester United with the, what's the man called? Ferguson. Ferguson Lane. Is that his name? Yes, okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> You see that he's gone out and then, and the whole team is just not the same. I don't think he's the, the top team. Is it the top anymore? Yeah. It's one of the top. <laughs> yes. And so, you see that even with the music, you see that a different singer, and you see that you still got some beautiful music. So then you ask yourself, that what is actually making the music? What's the secret to the music? Is it the singer? Is it this? Is it that? I find that it's something else that is not easy to see. And that you wouldn't really know is important. So you may discard that and then you lose your music. So in a church, you may not realize the importance of certain, when you are the head. That this one is very important. When this one is not there, all these things are not going to work. <laughs> and that's the job of the head, to know that my eyes are very important. My feet are important. My toes are important. This is important for me. So if I am important to you, then you would treat me with care. 
knowing that I am, although I am not even seen or known as being important to everybody, but to you I become important because you recognize my role, which is not so easy to see. Yes. Not so easy. For instance, my role in music is not so easy to see. In fact, you would never see my role because you never see me when I'm working on the music. You never see me doing that. You just hear a beautiful song. King Uzziah has 16, whatever. I don't know how to do it. Isn't it? Yeah. You just hear the beautiful music. I wrote that song last year. Wow. Yes. But you wouldn't know that my my role in, in the music till I remove myself or till I change the players, then you realize that, oh, wow. You change the players and it's working. So what's the, what's the secret? So that's what I'm saying. When you are ahead, you, you must begin to know what's important. That my eye is very important. My ears are very important. This is very important, which you didn't even know. And when you don't recognize that, you lose what is most important because anything you don't recognize, you, you don't give attention to, you don't value, and you don't treat with honor, then it goes away from your life. All right? The reason why you don't have a dog in your house, which when you come home, you say sit, and you say go bring the, bring the, uh, um, bring the, the, the ball, go here, come, attack this one, do this. I mean, you give instructions. Go for it. And you, your dog doesn't obey. No. Your, your dog doesn't do anything. <laughs> You've got a bush dog. You get what I'm saying? He doesn't follow any instructions. He doesn't even know how to sit. Yes. You have it. You have <laughs> yes, just poo-pooing everywhere. It's falling the whole house. Now, the, the reason is that you've not seen the value of the dog and you have not paid much attention to the dog and given it the honor that it deserves. Now, recently when... Um, America, President Trump, I think they went to attack somebody in some, um, they went to attack somebody and uh, they were honoring the, a dog. Yeah. Wow. It was a dog who had led the attack. And the dog was injured and they said the dog was recovering. <laughs> Amazing. They, they, they recognize the role of the dog. And what happened was that this gentleman ran into a tunnel, all right, and they sent the dog after the man. It was a top uh, ISIS, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, top man they were after him. And then they sent the dog, and the dog went after the guy, trained to fight. Now, your dog just scratches the grass. You get it? Runs out. You try to get him to come back. Goes to get pregnant and comes back. You don't know where the pregnancy is from. You get it? Because you haven't given honor and attention. It's, it's, no, it's of no value to you. But for some people, you can, they can tell the dog on guard. Till tomorrow morning, he will be there. Yeah, he's going to you tell him on guard. And stay here. And scan the area. You, they, they speak English to them. What a language. Tree, whatever. They speak to them. <laughs> and the dog will obey. But your dog doesn't obey. Doesn't do anything. 
<laughs> Doesn't speak any language. You get it? So what I'm saying is that there are people who have identified important things. And a head must identify. No, this person is not. A... Now, some heads are saying, oh, this man is a rich man. This is important for me. I'm not talking about rich people. I'm not talking about rich people. I'm talking about important people in your life as a head. Important. They are key for your life, key for your ministry, key for you to do well. You must identify them. Amen. All right. Now, so the battles of recognition. Amen. I cannot say, hey, man, I don't need you. When you say, I don't need you, you see what it is like. How to choose a beloved without eyes. You're going to see a new thing altogether. Number three, you have the battles of a negative image. All right? Now, what do I mean by that? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse number... Nine. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you with letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak. And his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters... When we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that command themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Glory to God. Now, you see, he was struggling with a self image, a negative image that his bodily presence is not powerful. Like if they see him, they won't respect him. And you know, every head struggles with that negative picture of yourself. You don't know, am I, I'm not so powerful. Like if I, if I preach, it won't be so powerful. Yeah. A head, it takes time to struggle through. No, I mean, you're preaching, but it's not like this person. Yeah, you are preaching, but there's no anointed. You know, and Paul was struggling. You know, it's like, and I mean, there are many, there are, there are people have asked me sometimes to go to places, and I said, no, when I go, and when they see me, they won't, they won't accept me, but they, they should not even see me. Yeah. Because sometimes you feel, and it says that when they see you, they won't even flow anymore. And every head struggles with that, and you need to overcome that. So that you can flow trusting in the Holy Spirit. When you are young, you even wonder when you preach, is it powerful? Is it not powerful? I struggled when I preached. It's like people wouldn't clap. And when I finished preaching, like Bishop Saki would come and when he speaks one word and everybody's clapping, it's like, ooh. It's like my preaching is not really powerful. So I struggled with the self-image, negative image. Some of you feel you are not anointed. You are not so powerful in your preaching, in your bodily presence. 
<laughs> yes, I think they said Paul was a little short. You know, so sometimes you have something a little short, a little wide, a little tall, a little fat, a little squeeze. Or there's some. Everybody has something in his body that is a little too. It's like his twang, wow, you know. <laughs> you wish it was a little rounder or straighter or whatever. All those things affect you when you are the head, your bodily presence. <laughs> Because your bodily presence affects you. If you are very small, when you are speaking, people will look and say, are you in your small body? You want to speak to us with authority. How can this small body speak to us in authority, with authority? So struggles and battles of a negative self-image. Amen. Number four, battles of people's expectations of you when you are the head you know people start assessing your calling and they start to assess your anointing and they start to judge you and say this one is uh, not a real prophet He's not a real prophet. This one is not a real pastor. It's just an appointee of the church. It's an institutional appointment. Are you with me? This one is too young, too small. You get what I'm saying? And so you struggle. When I look in my life and my ministry, I can see, you know, different aspects of the apostolic ministry. But I've struggled. Am I an apostle? Of a prophet. I can show you things that will scare you. That I said. (laughs) They're happening. Scary. Yes. Of a teacher. I'm teaching. You know? The word of God. And when I started, when you're the head, you struggle. Am I a teacher? Do they think I'm a teacher? Because people have a mind. Do you discuss you and they say, he's not a real pastor. He's not really a teacher. You know, he's more of an evangelist. And they'll be analyzing you. Different expectations. And then, uh, a pastor... I struggled for years when I'm really a pastor. You know, I look at myself and I say, why are not more people coming to the church? If I was a real pastor, wouldn't more people come to the church? And I struggle. I look at the people. One time somebody called me and said, hello, pastor. And I said, I almost burst out, but I controlled myself at the last moment. A man of God in, in Ghana. He, he said, hey, pastor. And I said, I was, you are mocking me, right? You are mocking me. You are mocking me. I know you are mocking me. You are mocking me that I'm a pastor. It's like you're making fun of me. And then an evangelist. I can feel it, but I, I wonder. 
So now, you know, I just look and I say, look, I'm whatever I have to be, depending on what's happening. Because I don't even know. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Paul said, I have become a fool in glory. You have compelled me. For I ought to have been commended of you. Sometimes you should have, you, you should have said it. Yes. You should have even said, man, you are a, an apostle. But it's like, I've, I, you know, I have to analyze and then say it. He says, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest of apostles. You see now, he said, you have forced me to talk like this. Because he analyzed the points to see how far he was. He said, I am, I, I, in nothing am I behind the very chiefest of the apostles, though I be nothing. Then verse 12, he says, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So a head struggles to see the signs of the calling, the signs of being a pastor, the signs of being a teacher, the signs of being an evangelist. He's looking to see, it. are there any sign? That I'm really a pastor. Yes. Is there, is there a sign that I'm a pastor? Is there a sign that I'm a teacher? What signs are there that you are really a teacher? Paul said, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience. The signs of an apostle, the sign of an apostle, it is there. And later he said to them, the seal of my apostleship is you. The fact that I am an apostle, the certificate... Of that I am an apostle. It's you. Your existence is the sign that I am an apostle. Wow. The existence of the churches that we have is the sign that I am an apostle. Yes. Yeah. That they exist. Mm. And they will exist in the 190 countries. Amen. 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 So, a head struggles to know what are the signs of a, of, of, are you in a helps ministry? Yes. You have to look for the signs of a help. The sign of a helper is that the helps ministry enjoys pushing the person is helping to go better and to be nicer and never, if you want to know what is a help ministry, always compare with the Holy Spirit or a wife. A certain type of wife. But the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> are you listening to me yes now what is the holy spirit the holy spirit pushes you you shine and you never see the holy spirit you ever see the holy spirit so when you are the health ministry that helps meet all right you have you are pushing the person but you never seen you are the invisible power behind yeah you know the motto for a submarine, nuclear submarine. I told you the last time, it's nuclear submarine. They have a motto. I don't know whether it's all of them, but I know in, I think, America. I don't know one of them. They have it in Latin. It says, it says, invisible and silent, we bring death. Yes. Invisible and silent, we bring death. So we bring death, invisible and silent. Invisible and silent. So a helper is invisible and silent, but it brings power and change. Yes. Invisible and silent. 
It's true. Truly the signs of an apostle. So her head is struggling to see. Charlie, what's the sign? And it's important. Why? Because if you move out of your calling, you become nothing. You know, one time I was in Mozambique and I went to a little pond. There was a, there was a pond with some fish. In it. And the fish were so many that they were just on top of the water because I'm not good at fishing. You get what I'm saying? Are you good at fishing? No. Then don't look at me that way because we are all not good at fishing. So what happened was that I took the fish, I wasn't able to scoop one of the fish out and just put it on the little bridge that was there. And then you see the fish gasping. It was dying. And I decided to put the fish back in the water. When I put it back in the water, like Olympics, it was winning Olympic games. You see, as soon as you get into the right environment and you stay in your calling, your calling is water. You came out to the air. You are gasping. But as soon as you stay in your calling, you are like a superman. You are fast. You are swift. You are good. You are excellent. You do well. You shine. That's why we keep transferring people. I keep on transferring people and moving people as a head to try to get them into their best gift. And when you are the head, you have to try to come into your best gift. Today is Reverend Eastwood's birthday. Reverend Eastwood is a revivalist. He was once telling me that he gets tired of the pastors and the issues. But I never get tired of the pastors and issues. I want to see pastors more and talk more. And then when I see conventions and all that, I get tired of that. But he's never tired of those things. He's always there to revive. He's always preaching. Sometimes I wonder, how does he get the fire? He has this full of fire to preach to the people, to revive the whole church in the midst of their deadness. Is it not amazing? So when you are inside your calling, you are like a fish swimming very fast, so beautiful. As soon as you go out of your calling to something else, you know, you are, you are, you are, you are losing it. Now you are wondering, at your age, you are nothing. So you don't have to think too much of, am I this or am I this, am I this. You must just work for the Lord. And then as you work for the Lord, your calling gradually comes out. Look, when a baby is born, you see the face. You wonder if he's even a monkey. But with time, you realize that he looks like the father or he looks like the mother. Is it not true? Yeah. So gradually, your features form with time. And everybody can see who you are and where you came from. Is it not amazing? So take your time. By the duty of a head, you yourself... Find out how God has formed you. And when you find out how he's formed you, you do it. You flow with it. You flow with it. I don't get tired when I'm in my calling. I'm swimming at a... Somebody say, are you not tired? Tired? Why would I be tired? I'm not tired. By the grace of God. Not tired at all. When I do certain things, I start yawning. I say, no, I'm tired. But when I do other things, it's flowing. So one of the battles of the head is to stay in your calling, and you struggle with people's expectations. People are always assessing you. Are you really an apostle? Are you a pastor? Are you a health? Are you an institutional appointment? The next one, I'm talking about being ahead. How many points have I given you? Four, five. Struggle or the battles of unanswered prayer. Battles of unanswered prayer. Every head is just like everybody else. 
there are prayers that you can look and see have not been answered. Do you get it? And it, it can shake you. There are certain prayers I prayed that didn't get answered. And it shook me. Shook me. I promised God. Hey. I promised. I said, Lord, if you answer me. I walk up and down the whole night praying. Lord, if you answer me. If you answer me. I promise you this. I promise you this. Surely. He has not answered me the way I thought he would answer me. It did not happen. You thought I, all, all my prayers have been answered? Are you surprised to find that some of my prayers have not been answered? No, I've had, a, I've had a broken heart with answered prayers. My heart was broken. I wanted God to answer me and he wouldn't answer me. I cried. I've cried. I can cry, you know. Do I look like a crybaby? No. <laughs> Daniel chapter 3. Daniel 3. Now, if you be ready at the time, all right, it shall be that if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, answered and said to the king, verse number 16, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We got no problem in answering you. Verse 17. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Verse number 18. But, but, if not, if he doesn't answer, unanswered prayers, in case there's no answer to this prayer, the way I'm expecting it, you get it? Be it known unto thee that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Even if there's no answer to this prayer, the way we want the answer to the prayer. Yes. There are things I've prayed for. I've asked God, answer me. There are things I've prayed and believed that God would answer, give to me, do for me. And one of the things you battle with sometimes is unanswered prayer. Because you don't have anybody else to explain things to you. You are right at the top. You are supposed to know everything. You are supposed to have the answer for every problem. And know why everything is happening. And explain everything. And have a solution to encourage everybody else around you. And meanwhile your struggle is not being answered. Hey, do you understand? Yes. There are things I have sought God for. I wish God would answer this way. He didn't answer me at all. But later on, I found out some of them, some, not all, some, not all, I found out that the will of the Lord be done. Sometimes he was trying to take me through certain things, but I don't know. But still, whether he answers my prayer or he doesn't answer my prayer, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. The Lord is my God and I'm going to serve him to the end of my days. Can I have a shout of hallelujah from somebody? Amen. Amen. Number six. Battles with tests. Divine tests. When you are at head, you've got to pass your divine tests. Now, you all know the song. 
in Exodus 15, verse 21. What does it say? A Miriam answered, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. Is there a song like that, Ida? The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider are thrown into the sea. Horse and rider thrown into the sea. In I it. will sing unto the Lord. I will sing, yes, sing it. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has won a glorious fight. The horse and his rider are thrown into the sea. Mm. That's Miriam singing. My God, my strength and shield has gotten us the victory. Mm. The Lord, my God, my strength and shield has gotten us the victory. Mm. To know. The Lord is worthy. I will praise him, my God and Father. I will exalt him. The Lord is worthy. I will praise him, my God and Father. Now, I want the horse and the rider part. Horse him. and rider. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has won a glorious fight. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. That's Miriam. You can call your daughter Miriam. It's a good name. Now, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness. Wow. And they went how many days? Three days into the wilderness and found no water. Straight from the Red Sea, they got to the place where there was what? No water. What happened in verse 23? Verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. And they called the name of it Marah. Verse 24. And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So sometimes a simple question is a murmur. It's not just a question. Murmur. What shall we do? But I only ask what we should drink. Why are you saying I said something? God knew that they were murmuring. Verse 25. And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he did what? He proved them. So God was testing them at Marah with bitter waters. What have you been through? What have you survived? What have you suffered? Bitter. God led them all by cl- cloud by day, fire by night, straight, 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 straight to where? Marah. And he goes, Here you are. Here is Marah. Here is something bitter. Wow! Wow! And you start to scream. But God is the one who brought you to the bitter. So, you see, a, a head struggles to know whether, am I being tested? Because there's nobody to tell you whether you are being tested or not. If you had somebody above you who would be counseling you, oh, my darling, this is just a test. You know, this is what God is going through. I mean, I want to encourage you. It, this has happened to others. It happened to this. And God is going to take you through and I'm going to counsel you. It's nice to hear all those counseling. But what about when you are the head? Who is going to counsel you? Who's going to take you through and explain things to you? How do you know whether it's a test or it's the devil? Is it a test or is it the devil who has got access to your life? What is going on? The Bible says there he proved them. So a head is always not sure whether he's being tested. You know, one time I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, sorry, sorry. I mean, after he finished testing me, they said, sorry, sorry. I tell you, I'll never forget. He said, sorry, sorry, I had to put you through. Hey! But you see, each test you go through changes your class. When you pass this test, you go to class four. When you pass, you go to class five. That's where we have higher ranks in the ministry. 
People who have higher ranks are people who have been through things and have passed through tests. So when you've not passed through certain things, you can't have certain ranks. So trouble in the ministry often is, what do you call it, a test for taking you higher. That's why people who escape and avoid, you know, temptation, not temptation, but like some of the struggles and the problems and the fire and the tribulations and the issues. I mean, you are, this is what you have to go through. Paul said, through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom. It's not through much peace, through much rest, through much tribulation. There, he proved them. You know, many years ago, I heard Derek Prince preaching this. I didn't really believe it. He said, he said, God took the people. He led them straight to the bitter waters. He said, God leads people to bitter things. He's actually the one leading you right up to that bitter point. Yes, I was shocked. But when I read the Bible, I said, it's true. He took them through the Red Sea and straight to the bitter spot to see what you say. And the very question you were asking, it's a, it's, a, it's a complaint. So be careful. Because the Bible says, there he proved them. Verse 26. And he said, if thou will diligently, this is a famous verse. If thou will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to do that which is right in his sight, to give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, then I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now he was probably warning them about disease coming as a result of their complaints. Because they failed straight away and he started talking about healing. Yes. So, be careful. You don't fail your test of bitterness so that you don't get certain diseases that will wipe you out before your time. Are you listening? Are you bored with what I'm saying? Even if you're bored, I don't care. I'm going to verse 27. And then they came to Elim. Have you heard of Elim Pentecostal? There were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. So just after the bitter spot comes Elim. I see Elim coming up in your sights. In Jesus' name. Elim is coming up. Lift your hands and say, Elim is coming up. Elim is coming up. The dream is coming up. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, don't get bogged down by Mara because Elim is just behind Mara. Amen. So, a head struggles with, with what? Tests. Passing the test. Knowing whether it's even a test. Do you want, still want to be ahead? Or you want to be assisting? Number seven. Struggles with unforgiveness. Yes. Now then cometh Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, No, I say unto thee, until seven times, not until seven times, but until seventy times seven. (laughs) Now, you see, Peter was sort of feeling clever. Like, I think he wanted to be sound spiritual. So he came to Jesus. You know, when you are with your leader, talk. The more you talk, you will be liked. But I think Jesus really liked Peter, even though he denied him and all that. But like, he, he would talk. The others were quiet. You can't even tell what they were thinking most half of the time. 
Huh? Have you ever heard Bartholomew say a word? The whole three and a half years, we've not heard of anything Bartholomew said. Bartholomew and who else? Tadios. Thomas even spoke at a point. Nothing. I mean, you are a disciple and not a word is heard from him. Here comes Peter. He's wrong, but he's nice. He's a very nice guy. He said, Lord, how many times? And he didn't even allow the Lord to answer. It was like he's very fast, you know. How many times should you forgive? Seven times, isn't it? At least seven times. And the Lord said, this Peter. It's seven times, 70 times. <laughs> and Peter was shocked. You know, because he was thinking, how? I mean, how would you allow somebody to do something bad to you seven times, 70 times? And you are still allowing the person to hurt you. You get it? Now, this is one of the great challenges of a head. When you are ahead, you'll be surprised how people can hurt you. They can, they can do bad things to you. Yeah. If you want me to sit down after church, to write down, take a paper, and I write down bad things that people have done to me. From the time I started the church 31 years ago, 32 years ago till today, I can write different names of people and things that people have done to me. But you know, one day I met a man of God, and he said to me, always keep a sweet spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't think he followed that advice himself. But he said to me, keep a sweet spirit. Because <laughs> the last time I heard he was, he was saying so many things. The spirit didn't sound so sweet. <laughs> Man. I can't see in your house doing a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet spirit. A Levite is not supposed to have boils. And this is perhaps one of the reasons why a lot of ladies cannot be heads. Because they are heads more easily. Girls are more emotional. Emotional. You understand it? Do you understand? Yeah. A lot of boils that are not getting healed. A lot of issues. And so they tend to delete people. Say, you out, you out, you out, you out. You, 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 three, out. I don't want to see you again. I don't want to see you again. I've had enough. I know who you are. I know you are this and you are that. And you will never change. And so you find out that brothers seem to be more accommodating. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Please, you don't take me on. I beg you, please. I should be begging you. Who am I preaching to? Who's that? Who's that? They are not here. Yeah, so I stand by what I say. I mean, you find brothers living together, there's no quarreling. And there's no problem at all. Many girls don't want to have a girl as a boss. So I don't want no girl to be my boss. I like a guy to be my boss. They are nice as a kind. How many girls think so? Girls, all the girls here raise your hand. All the girls have raised up their hands. They all want boys, men to be their bosses. Boys are kind. Are they? And what, what is kindness? What is kindness? What is love? I tell you, a simple formula for kindness and love is forgiveness. Wow. You don't you just forgive. So it's okay. It's okay. Are you sure it's okay? All films are based on unforgiveness. Look. <laughs> All films are based on unforgiveness. Yes. Chinese films. All films. Yes. The, every film is like you've taken somebody's daughter. Kill somebody's family. I, mean, I watched a film called The Punisher. Hey. I mean, he came to punish people. 
Yes, because his family was killed and he came to punish everybody. Hey! He couldn't let it go. So, boils. But you got to let it go. Otherwise, you not trust anybody. You don't flow with anybody. How could I have a ministry in the whole world if I don't trust people? I don't know what people are doing. I trust. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they are doing. What are they doing? What are you doing? You are watching me. What are you doing? Do I know what you are doing? Yes. Listening by radio. What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. Huh? Watching on TV. I don't know what you're doing. When you see me, you say, I love you. But what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you doing with the church's money? Do you pay tithes? Do you love? What do you say behind my back? You get what I'm saying? What are you doing in your private life? Hmm? Mm-hmm. But you see, to be ahead, you got to forgive and just flow. Amen. And sometimes when you don't forgive, it's the, the next person is the important person who's coming to your life. Not even the person who hurt you, but another person is coming. But because you didn't forgive that one, the next important person who is coming will not do well because he will, he or she will bear the punishment. You've become the punisher. So you bear the punishment of that person's things. Yes. The next beloved. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many battles do you have? Only, you got seven? We can close. A good message has seven points. Number eight. Okay, struggle, battles with emotions. Emotions. Yes. Now, emotions. Now, every human being is emotional or emotionful. Full of emotion. All right? More or less. And your emotions, when you are a head pastor... You are supposed to always look happy and be excited and be, you know, exuberant. Everything's going on all right. Glory to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1, Paul said, I determined with myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness or in depression, my depression. For if I make you sorry, because when you come with heaviness, you make everybody else sad. Who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same which is made sorry by me. And I wrote this same unto you, lest when I come, I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. Glory to God. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul said, I determined that I would not come in my depression. Everybody smiles in church, but many of us are sad. There'll be sad days. I wrote a song, there'll be sad days. There are sad days. And there are depressed days. Days you don't feel happy, but you've still got to preach. Sometimes when I look at historical videos, preaching... I just remember the mood that I was in. 
at that time, the feeling that I had, the sadness, certain places remind me of certain things. There are certain cities. I remember how I wept in those cities. I remember crying before the crusade, crying in between the crusade, certain places, certain nations. I remember going and being broken in pieces. But I could not come with my heaviness to the crusade, coming to preach, pray for the sick, and announce the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Yeah. So, you cannot allow your emotions. And, and then who's going to make you happy? Who can counsel you when you are sad? Nobody knows what to say. Everybody's expecting you to counsel them. You come and counsel them. We are sad, so you counsel us. I'm sad. You counsel me. Are you listening to me? Yes. So, brothers and sisters, God is fighting for you. Yes. No matter how you go down, you go up as a head, God will bring you out. But you see, you've got to to remember, sorrow is not a good thing. You You don't do well. You don't do well. You remember when Ghana was playing the World Cup and Samoajan missed the penalty at the last? Do you remember what happened to us? There's a depression that came into the world in the whole nation, even the whole Africa. Yes, we struggled with unforgiveness and depression for some time. That's one of the reasons why I don't like watching soccer. Yes. Huh? Yes, we stopped receiving Uruguay currency. Now, even all our missions, we've left out Uruguay. <laughs> we've never mentioned Uruguay as one of the nations we want to go to. <laughs> so, sorrow. Now, you cannot be a bag of emotions. And do well in the ministry. Amen. The next one. Battles with the flesh. Amen. Are you there? Yes. First Corinthians chapter 9. Everyone that. Verse 25. Everyone that striveth for the mastery. Is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain. A corruptible crown but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Verse 27. But I keep under my body. Paul was struggling with his body. I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Because you can be cast away because of your flesh. Yes, if you joke with your flesh, you can be set aside. It's true. The flesh is really some way. Freely. How many have found out their flesh is like really some way? Yes, a very some way part. That's why you smell by the evening. Because the flesh is bad. I mean, if without soap, I tell you, without soap, without running water, it's, it's terrible. You will you, 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 not be good. 
All right? So, a, a, a good head knows that your flesh, you know, is, you, you also have a flesh. Yes. You are not a spirit. Spirits don't go to shops to buy things. Spirit lives in a body. And so, you got to fight your flesh. And even though you are the highest level, you have the most base feelings, which is unfortunate. Can you imagine a very high person has a very base inclination? It's unfortunate. Yes. So, when you become a head, you got to be careful with your flesh. Now, this scripture is like a man who takes a, a ball and he has a bucket full of water and is trying to push the ball into the water. And it keeps coming up. That's the picture of the flesh. Yes. That's why when you die, the right rest in peace. Because it's now resting. It's been trying to come up all the time. Always bursting out of the water. Bursting out of the water. You can fast and pray. It's still coming out. Yes. And sometimes it's worse after fasting. Yes. Yes. But you are going to overcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 10. Battles with tiredness. Yes. Battles with tiredness. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. When we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Our flesh had what? No, no rest. Our flesh had what? No rest. So, a head struggles with tiredness. As I'm standing here, I must be tired. I've been awake for a long time. I mean, I'm awake in the night. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2. We have what we call spiritual fatigue. Mental fatigue, spiritual fatigue. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13. I had no rest in my spirit. I had no rest in my spirit. So in the spirit, he was not rested. Your spirit is not calm. And your spirit is agitated. So you can be physically tired and mentally, spiritually exhausted. And whatever represents spiritual or mental fatigue, God is giving you the upper hand. Yes. And you see, the world is run by tired people. So you must become one of the tired people who are working for the Lord. You can't sleep so much and do well as a head. So head leaders are are tired. I'm sure the president is really tired. Yes. To manage a country, corona and what have you, never heard of it before. Is it not amazing? And that's number 11 and number 12. I'm going to end with 12 because I can't go to 13. Ah, all right. Which one shall I give you? 
I have to choose. Struggles with judging others. Yes. When you are the head, you have to decide. Is it good? Is it bad? Matthew 7, verse 1 to 3. Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And what measure you meet, you shall, it shall be measured to you again. Now, when you are the head, you have to become a judge as well. Decide on many things. One day, somebody told me a lie. And what hurt me most about the person telling the lie, and maybe later telling the truth, was that I was now going to have to make up my mind all my life long whether this person was telling the truth or a lie. It's very worrisome to be able to judge and to decide what is right. This person is lying. He's telling the truth. It's, you know, you don't know about the person anymore. It's, it's a very worrisome place to come to because you are looking and you have to decide. If you decide this, it means this. If you decide this, it means that. It's mentally exhausting. A liar is a dangerous person. A liar is a dangerous person. Anyone who lies to you hates you. Anybody who lies to you does not love you. And lies change the nature of all relationships. You can't trust the English words that are coming from a person's mouth. If you want to do something bad, don't lie. Find something else to do. Like don't bath or something like that. But lie. Once you tell a lie to an important person, you've changed your relationship with the person. Instead of the person resting and resting assured that as far as you are concerned, there is no question. You have changed the relationship and you changed the nature of the relationship and you've brought a question and you have opened up possibilities. You see, after this pandemic, all things are possible. No, we, we are not going to be in the same again. It's possible that all planes will be grounded. It's possible that all nations will be closed. It's possible that the whole world is affected by one thing that nobody can see. It's possible. We've seen it before. After this, the possibilities are going to be in our mind. What about if next year there's a new... What about if next year there's some other thing comes up? What about if this? What about if that? What if there's another worldwide catastrophe? Aha, the possibilities are not going to go away from our heads because we have seen it before. And when your child speaks to you, you say, look... We have been in the world before where there were no more flights. Yes. We couldn't go anywhere. Even if you want to go, you can't go. So, I am telling you, judging and deciding. You know, one day we, we caught a thief and he denied it. He stole a long gadget that we had. He said he didn't do it. I mean, he did it. But he said he didn't do it. Now, when a liar tells you a lie, you start to question yourself whether you are imagining what the person is saying. But it takes time. Then you, when you think about it later, you realize that the person is lying to you. Yeah. But as you get used to liars, you start to know that this one is lying. And when liars are good at lying, they give you, uh, what do you call it, collateral lies to buffer the main lie. You understand what I'm saying? Like they'll talk about this, they talk about this to give a context so that when they say the main one, it works. And say that, oh yeah, because of this and because of that, this one must be true. Then they act it. Then they have the feeling on their face. And they have the plain face and then they have the actions that go with the lies. Yeah. 
and you have to judge and decide all this. So that ahead, you got a whole whatever. If you have a liar and a thief as your treasurer, if you have a liar, if you have a Delilah as your assistant, as your hairdresser, you, you know, you, you're not good, you, you cannot easily rest. Delilah is your hairdresser. Come to do your hair in, in a hairdressing salon. And you're falling asleep as she's doing your hair. <laughs> when you wake up, your hair is gone. <laughs> All right. And then, finally, because I don't want to come back to this. Oh, man, so many points. And then you have struggles with time passing. The battle of passing time. Time is finishing. I feel it. Time is finishing. I don't want it to go. I don't want time to go, but it's going. My opportunity is finishing right before my very eyes. My opportunity. Huh? I told you today is Reverend Isu's birthday. And uh, he was, he's been preaching. We, I've known him preaching from secondary school. From, is it secondary school or university? Preaching on fire. Young person. Can you imagine someone like that, 60 years old? Huh? I mean, it's serious. And every head struggles with the reality that time is just finishing right before your eyes. If you are responsible, you know that your opportunity is finishing, it's finishing, it's finishing, it's finishing. It's finishing. One day I met a, a, a man of God. He was 71 years old, 71 or 72 years old. Ah, I didn't know this man has been an evangelist all over the world. When he mentioned the places he's preached, amazing, he's been all over the world preaching. So I was wondering, why is he not preaching now? Why is he not going all over the world? And then he explained, look, to organize the crusade, to organize everything. It's, it's what he cannot do now. If he's to stand there to preach, he can stand and preach. But to organize the whole thing, as he did when he was a younger person, he cannot do it now. You see, every head realizes that the time is running out. And the opportunity is finishing. Right before our very eyes. The doors are closing. John chapter 7. And then Jesus said, my time is not yet come. But your time is always ready. All right? My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. Jesus said, Say not ye, John 4 35, there are yet four months, and then cometh our harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they are wide already to harvest. So Jesus is saying, Don't say there's more time. There's not more, so much more time. And finally, 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 battles with Jezebel. He said, I know thy works in Revelation chapter 2 verse 19. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Except they repent of their deeds. Now, 
One of the main challenges of every head is Jezebel. Jezebel is the manipulator from below. The person who is manipulating you from below. Not the head, but is manipulating you. Listen, we all know Ahab as a very evil man, but Ahab was not that evil. You know why? Ahab was, number one, he was stable in his marriage. He was a king. He was a right king. When he wanted to get land, he, he went to negotiate. He was a negotiator. He negotiated with Naboth. He said, Charlie, I want to buy your land. So I can give you another land. I can give you this. When he didn't get the land, he just went home. That was all. It is his wife who came in and through her involvement, now Ahab now became a murderer. He was not a murderer at all. But he's known for killing Naboth or for the death of Naboth. But he was not originally a murderer. So come the manipulator and the man is a change into a different man. So the head can be something, but through the manipulations and the engineerings of those below, okay. he's turned into something that he was not originally intending to be. Yes. So you got to watch out for anything that is not the head, but is powerful. Because that thing that is the head that is not powerful, that thing that is not the head, but is powerful, can change you. Yes. And before you realize, you are not doing what you really want to do. Watch out for things that make you not do what you really want to do. If you are in a relationship, and because of your relationship, you don't really, like, I want to go to church and stay in church as long as I want to stay in. Like, you don't feel free staying around in church so long because of the relationship that you are in. You got a Jezebel waiting for you outside. Yeah, she, she wants to leave now. Yeah, no matter what her name is, she will be called, I mean, whatever. But that's a Jezebel right there. You can't do, you can't befriend who you want to befriend. You can't talk to who you want to talk to. You can't flow as happily as you used to flow. You were flowing happily, but the person doesn't mix and blend and flow with all the people. Yes, watch out for Jesse. There are some people whose temperament changes when they marry. The temperament of the person changes. It changes and you see that the mood of the person has changed. It's no more happy. He was very happy. I, ha- I have somebody in my mind straight away. It just comes to my mind. Yeah. He was a very nice flowing person. Well, as soon as he married, his change disappeared even. Yes. Because the power from below changes the happy flowing free. Ask yourself, what will you not be able to do after you get married? That you want to do, that you are doing now. Yes. And ask yourself, as you are the head, what is it that you want to do? That you can't do because of these people that are sitting around. Every time you want to do, they have a different idea. And they have a subversive plan. And they have a negative feeling and attitude about what you're deciding to do. May God give you the upper hand on all forms of Jezebels in your life. In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for the power to be a good head and leader. I thank you for this anointing that is working. The people are going to be good, great head pastors in the ministry. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your power that is at work. Now I want everyone everywhere lift your hand and thank the Lord. Speak to the Lord in a moment. God is touching your life, touching your ministry, and making you ahead. You are going to overcome all these battles that are coming to your life just because you are ahead 
pastor or a head leader, head missionary. You're free from Jezebel. And, and, and listen, and he said, I have one thing against you that you're allowing Jezebel. You're allowing manipulation to work. Feel free and lead. Feel free and do what is right and what God is calling you to do. You must feel free from today. You must flow. You must flow towards your calling. You must feel free. You must, your mind must be free. So I wanted to and I will. I wanted to go and I will go. I wanted to serve and I will serve. Holy hands lifted to the Lord. Father, thank you for the great blessing of your holy word. Thank you for touching our lives in a special way. Everywhere around the world, watching, thank you, Jesus, that you're making us wonderful and amazing lead and head ministers and pastors. We give you thanks, Father, and we give you praise. Now receive the grace of good leadership. Receive the grace of strong leadership. Receive the grace to drown all forms of Jezebel and anything that represents Jezebel in your life. Any manipulation from below. Any strong direction and influence from below that takes away your direct obedience to the Holy Spirit is rebuked right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I want us to take out our offering. Take out your offering. And we're going to pray over the offering. And... uh, Father, thank you for everybody who is giving. Thank you for good leadership. Thank you that we are not using lightness. You are leading us and you are guiding us into all that is your will. We give you thanks and we give you praise. We are grateful, dear Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, with thanksgiving we pray, Lord. Amen. All right. I want everyone to take out their offering and I want us to write, I want us to um, receive a song. Um, Father, thank you as we give today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. Raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. When Uzziah was 16 years old. He began to reign in Israel. He reigned in Israel for 52 long years. Uzziah listened to his mother. He did what was right. 
sight of God. Ooh, yeah. He walked in the ways of his father. I know I'm not too young, too young to reign for you. I want to reign as a king for Jesus. Jesus, I am ready to be a priest for you. Thank you for calling me, for calling me so young. Reigning for you, reigning for you when I'm just 16. Okay, reigning for you, reigning for you when I'm just 16. Uzziah sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Uzziah fought against the enemies. He break down the walls of the enemies. Ooh, yeah. And God helped him. I know I'm not too young, too young to reign for you. I want to reign as a king for Jesus. Jesus, I am ready to be a priest for you. Thank you for calling me, for calling me so young. Reigning for you, reigning for you when I'm just 16. Oh yeah, reigning for you, reigning for you when I'm just 16. I'm past 16 now, I don't want to waste my life Doing all sorts of things with my body I heard of Uzziah, the little boy who became a king I want to work for Jesus from 16 Just like Uzziah, the young king you can use me, Jesus, ooh, yeah, to work for you, yeah, yeah. I know I'm not too young, too young to reign for you. I want to reign as a king for Jesus. Jesus, I am ready to be a priest for you. Thank you for calling me. For calling me so young, raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. Oh yeah, raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. Come on, raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. Oh 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 oh, raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. Just like Uzziah, you can use me, Jesus, ooh, yeah, to work for you, yeah. I know I'm not too young, too young to reign for you. I want to reign as a king for Jesus. Jesus, I am ready to be a priest for you. Thank you for calling me, for calling me so young. Reigning for you, 
Raining for you when I'm just 16. Come on, raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. Oh yeah, raining for you, raining for you when I'm just 16. Oh 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 oh
Are you gonna go all out? Say go all out. to all the world. She went all out to the world. Is that exciting? Well, the next song is only for some people. Do you want to hear that song? Are you sure you want to hear the song? That only applies to some people. It could be you. This song is for those who are going on a honeymoon. If you've already been on a honeymoon, you can revise. You can do it again, isn't it? Wow. All right. So, let's welcome Keziah. Sing for us, Honeymoon. Let me tell you, friend, a honeymoon is something special. It feels like you're gliding on a pink cloud with roses everywhere. Yeah. Everything is so very special Even the food tastes kind of different Everyone treats you so specially When you say you just got married Whoa, there is nothing like a honeymoon Whoa, I want the honeymoon to go on I want the honeymoon to go on and on On and on, on and on And on, and on Oh God, I want things to be nice forever Oh, Jesus, please help me. I'm praying for the help of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. When we got to the bedroom, mm-hmm. the bed was covered with the red rose petals. The atmosphere was charged with love and excitement I didn't know what to do But I 
remembered all the love songs from church. I turned to my beloved and I said, It's time for me to show you some real good loving. I reached out for my beloved, it was amazing. Honey, Yeah. 
and sorry too I wish that we had spent some more money to make the honeymoon last a little longer don't forget to have a good honeymoon when it is your turn for song. We dedicate that song to Solomon Tay, who's just gone on his honeymoon yesterday. It should go on and on. Do you want a honeymoon to go on and 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 on? I want things to be nice forever. Wow. Yes, and thank you, and sorry. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I think we can, we have, do we have time for another song? You sure we have time for another song? Those of you watching, you have time for another song? Why not? Songs are good. Come on, Keziah, give us another song. This song is a beautiful song.
the great wise throne to receive our judgment for the things we have done knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade all men to serve the Lord Yeah. 
God bless you for listening to this message. Visit daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every week. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.